Yo, welcome to the Groff Show podcast, another episode. Uh, biggest guest we've had on the show. I'm I'm shocked even this person even said yes. Uh, former Elite 11 quarterback, former Notre Dame Florida quarterback. He's excelled on the field, transitioned his way to on-air talent with overtime sports. And now he's the CBS Sports color commentator and analyst, true underdog. Please welcome Malik Zaire. I can't even believe I just said that, like, <laughs> crazy no man i appreciate you for having me man it's uh you know I, I saw that you had reached out and you know i love giving our guys an opportunity to get on the on the airwaves you know i mean i'm in the same line of work almost and yeah you know, it's good to see the hustle going what's the current state of malik zaire like what what's been what's what's it been like living in la what's the what's the current state i know i think you have a, a girlfriend wife fiance. yeah i got a girlfriend you know we uh we live out here in la and now uh, you know the current state is just every day we looking to prevail in something uh we waking up working on different projects getting mm-hmm. ready for media this year with college football and uh man it's just exciting to be out here in some good weather on more than just a couple months out of the year yeah was it a culture shock um moving to la or how was that as a Midwest guy, LA is super different, man. You, yeah. uh, you meet a whole bunch of different people out here, but, uh, you know, you hear all the stories for a reason, you know, it's definitely, you can find what you want out here in LA, but as always a Midwest kid, uh, I'm not too accustomed, but I find my place here and there. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. My mom's from Michigan and my dad's actually from South Bend. So wow, okay. kind of a small world. Yeah. So my, my connection with Notre Dame is like, I've been a huge fan, like whole life born and raised. I was, I was actually raised in Arizona. That's why oh, I got, you know, nice. the sun's hat and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I went to a camp my sophomore year, um, got really close with Drew Tranquil, which you know him too. Yeah, Great dude. Guy. It's crazy because um, – so his, like, Bible school teacher or whatever at Notre Dame was my mom's Bible school teacher, like, in a small town in Michigan. So that was a connection yeah. we had. And ever yeah. since then, we've been, like, in, in constant communication and stuff like that. So I don't know yeah. if you had any, like, Other. funny Drew Tranquil stories or anything like that to start oh, off Drew's, with. Drew's a real serious man. I could pay more than Tim Tebow. I don't <laughs> think he's got, he's got some good laughter in him, but I don't know about the jokes, but I know his brother went to Western Michigan. So yeah. that was probably some ties up there, but Drew's a great guy, man, with the chargers. And it's crazy. You know, a guy like that can bounce back from so much and, you know, he's living a great life right now. So. Yeah. So how, how did the whole Notre Dame thing happen? Are you coming to Notre Dame and then, um, what, how is it, I guess, having Brian Kelly as your coach, too? Coming to Notre Dame, man, he just wanted to be just wanted to be the best quarterback in the country. And at that time, Notre Dame had just went to the national championship versus Bama, even though we didn't win. But after that game, I was like, oh, they must just be missing me, you know. So that just made yeah. it even more exciting to go there as an early enrollee. It's like the first time they were doing that stuff. So I got a chance to go in with early enrollee guys and from day one, man, Coach Kelly is, is, is what you see on TV, man. He uh, He's a great uh, person to organize a team structure, and he's done a, a tremendous underrated job from the continual success over the amount of years because it's not easy to win, you know, at this point, nine, ten mm-hmm. games a season. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of credit to him. But we've had a lot of great coaches while I was there. I mean – 
Matt LaFleur is my quarterback coach and a big part of my yeah. launching career. So uh, to see him do his thing with Aaron Rodgers on another level. Yeah. Small world, small world about that, which is crazy. Uh, Matt LaFleur's dad coached my dad in college. So kind of a kind of a small world connection thing like that. But he was he was a cornerbacks coach at Central Michigan. So that's kind of like our connection with them too. But yeah. Yeah, LaFleur, man. I mean, he's he you talking about a guy that works hard. I mean, I'm his brother coaches, so I'm I'm sure it's yeah. all in the family tree. And what was like your favorite game, I guess, that you played in? It was great. My favorite moment was probably the Florida State game, just because I grew up liking Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the the tradition and the culture that they had. I just thought it was a great college football place. Yeah. And then um Jameis ended up going there. So I was like, dang, I got all, if I don't go there, I want to play yeah. against Florida State. And then we got a chance to play that great game down there. That was such a good game. Um, oh my gosh. Another classic Notre Dame game. You yeah. Know, at, that, at that point in our tenure and era, it was just we were we were losing all the super, super, super close games. So it was like it was just great to watch, but it was always heartbreaking at the end. Yeah. But, uh, just the environment from getting off the bus to just that was being my favorite team and then being so good at the time. Mm. I mean, that just combined to be my favorite experience. And I almost got in. But uh, <laughs> Evan went out and Florida State had like the longest drive the whole game. It was like something ridiculous, like eight fucking minutes. Oh my gosh. So I literally waited the longest. <laughs> like, I'm, thinking I'm, I'm in the next punt. Yeah. End up having this super long drive and Ev came back out. But damn. And that, that would have kicked off another good start to what I was going on. Were you there when uh, you guys played Clemson too? That game was crazy. Was, too. Yeah. Two games before that, I got hurt. So damn. I was definitely not missing it. And, you know, if I play, who knows? It could have been a different Deshaun Watson career. Yeah, hey, you never know. Um, how was the quarterback room and your relationship with, like, Everett and then uh, Deshaun Kaiser and stuff? Like, are those dudes that you still keep in contact with? Like, how was your relationship with those dudes when you were there? Yeah, I mean, it was – It's. I mean, it's competitive. Like I said, at that point yeah. throughout um, just those years, I mean, from top to bottom, it was just a, a – a huge tension in the quarterback room just because everybody wants to play and, you know, everybody realized how good we could be mm. and, you know, with the right person holding the ball. Yeah. I mean, some really special things could take place. So obviously that plays a huge factor in, in at that level of football because everybody wants to be in that one spot and only one guy can play. So it was as competitive as you could imagine, but, on that level, you really don't control it much. So yeah. um, you really learn to just start competing with yourself and 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 still being a good teammate, even if the things that you don't want happens because it's not about being the best. It's just about being the most available. Mm. Yeah, I remember, um, I think it was, was it 2015 where you, uh, was there your ankle that you hurt mm-hmm. and stuff like that? And then I, I saw the Showtime clip because Showtime was like filming you guys that year or whatever. And you were doing things outside of playing because you couldn't play because you were hurt. Like, what brought you and what drove you to be that kind of person for for uh, Kaiser? Even though you could have been the selfish guy, like, hey, like, I'm not playing. Like, screw you. Do your own thing. Well, you know, it's just about the opportunity you get, man. You can't mm-hmm. you can't really hate on another man's chance of of um, succeeding in that, in that period. So uh, my whole thing was just – 
how do I still get better during the time I can't physically be out there and being a good teammate on and off the field. And I end up getting more into coaching and um, which, you know, I end up coaching the girls basketball uh, football team. So that was cool. Oh, wow. That's and cool. uh, who are some teammates that you still keep in touch with? Cause I know, uh, like knowing like the college football team and stuff, like everyone's super close. I mean, it's like a year round thing like that. So who are some guys that you still keep in touch with? Uh, keep in touch with CJ Procise. I mean, he just got yeah. his Super Bowl ring with Tampa. That's my guy. That's dope. Uh, talking to Ronnie, you know, Ronnie blocked for me, but also Ronnie's a good dude. I kicked it with him a lot. Mm. Uh, I mean, we, I really keep in, in touch with a, a lot of the guys. Uh, more than a than you would with a normal football team, I think just because we were all really close. And uh, Notre Dame is a, does a great job of recruiting some really solid guys too. So mm. uh, a lot of guys with some great characteristics and and, and good quality. So I, I really keep up with a a good percentage of of my guys that I graduated with and, and played with at school. Yeah, I got you. One of the traditions. That not a lot of people know about when you were playing there that I, I I guess viewed on YouTube and stuff like that was Trick Shot Monday. <laughs> and I, I don't know if they still do it at Notre Dame, but kind of talk about w- how that start and what uh, what was like the best thing about it, I guess, from your from your perspective, because I, I thought it was pretty cool, like watching the videos and stuff like that. Like I grew up watching those. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of the first things. I mean, that's when we started expanding the media, social media stuff. Uh, we was breaking all that stuff in. So we was coming up with ideas and stuff. And one day, you know, a group of guys got together and, you know, it, it was really, you know, Tory Hunter was a big part of that. And, yeah. and Drew was in there and uh, they tried to make it fun. Romeo was in there. Uh, uh, Corey Robinson did a few. So um, what was cool is that uh, it was right after practice. So the funniest part was trying to find people to want to do it. Mm-hmm. as the season went on because you know everybody's like trying to get to where they're going throughout yeah. the season but when they did get together i mean it would they would be breaking it out anywhere you know yeah fill it a hallway and training table in the players lounge wherever they were just That's trying so to sweet. get it in so it was it was cool because it's like a flash mob mm. after practice almost did you make a shot did you have any I took shots a couple shots, like but them boys be there too long. I had to get, I had to get places. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't try to be there all day. <laughs> As we transitioned to where you ended up after that, what was your decision? Why did you leave Notre Dame? And then how was it being in the transfer portal? I mean, you're basically, I, I'll, I'll let you talk about it. And stuff yeah, like that, I mean, but. at that point I had graduated. So, I mean, I already got my degree. I was there for three or three or so years, three or four mm-hmm. years. So, have an opportunity to do another whole recruitment, like fresh out of, you know, coming back from when I first came into school. It was cool because yeah. it's like a not too many times you get to restart and go anywhere you want for a year. So I thought it would be the best decision for me at that time and get a fresh start and, you know, get in warmer weather. <laughs> yeah. Midwest sucks. Um, So what were your top options for, where you want to transfer. Obviously, you picked Florida, but where were some other teams that you're looking at, too? I really liked Wisconsin. I took a visit up there. I should have um, probably considered it more, but Wisconsin was big. Uh, I had a chance to go to Michigan, a chance to go to Texas. Um, and really, I didn't even 
I didn't even let it play out that much just because I knew I wanted to go to Florida at the time. But mm. um, it did feel good to get a a whole second chance being a lot better and knowing what college is like doing another recruitment. So yeah, um, getting a chance to do that, you know, two big time schools and playing for both. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a better story at the end of the day. Mm. Florida was a good experience just to say I played in the SEC and, and at, a, at a good spot and to see how it's different from a school like Notre Dame and it's two different worlds, but you get to appreciate college football at a, at a really high level being able to do that. So I think that helped me transition to a lot of different things when I was done playing. But while I was playing, I mean, I know a lot of people now from playing with them or against them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, being at Notre Dame for four years and being at Florida, pretty much seeing all you can see in college football from yeah. stadiums to to players in the NFL now, to guys coming up. So a real guy, I got a good good demographic of the landscape of college football at that time. Mm. And just being a football fan, getting to play in the swamp and at Notre Dame and at yeah. Florida. I mean, not many, not many people can say that. So mm. um, a good chance to have an experience like that. Um, what advice do you have for people, I guess, for bouncing back from adversity? You got to have a strong mental ability to know that you can get through things and that it's not going to last forever, you know, and uh, it's hard when things don't go your way. But I think if anything, you have to prove it to yourself more than anybody that you can just laser focus in on what you really want in life. And it'll come through the, the process of what, what you put in. And if it, doesn't always happen right away you know that's just because it hasn't happened so you have to figure out what you can do better or you know maybe it's not the the right path for you i mean that's okay too if there's you only got one life and and in that life you want to see as much as you can accomplish and, and see what you can catch on to so when, when you decided to hang up the cleats and step in front of the camera. Where did the love for, I guess, being in front of the camera and uh, being involved in sports media come from? Uh, it just kind of grows in you playing sports your whole life and you're watching people on the TV talk about people playing and then eventually you become one of those people. And it's probably what like the, the, the natural progression of a quarterback. Mm, yeah. <laughs> play into talking about it to coaching at some point. So uh, that was just the path that minds chose to take. So how did you, uh, for people who don't know what overtime is, what is overtime? And then how did you get involved uh, with that at an early time when it was like developing? So overtime is like the ESPN of the digital, of digital content on your phone Mm -hmm. and and on YouTube and stuff. So uh, it just shows the highlights that half of sports is entertainment and, and story building. And Overtime was one of the first to really create that or manifest that idea into a, a culture. Mm-hmm. And it's turned into even now a basketball league where they're paying guys a lot of money. So, yeah, I think. It's like one of those, why did I think of this earlier? But, you know, it takes a lot of money to do stuff like that. So 
got a great opportunity to do it in this early development of of the football stage and um, seeing how it's grown now and and all the people that want to work there now and ask me how do you do it is just it's kind of cool. So yeah, I still wear my gear and um, they still doing well. So. So what was, where were they at at the time that you joined, like numbers wise and stuff? Was it super small and kind of rising and stuff or what was the? It definitely was on the rise, but it was had a heavy focus in basketball because that's like, that was its way in and football was, was coming up. You know, it wasn't where it is now by no means, mm-hmm. but from, from then and now, I mean, we put TV shows together and covered you know, Jalen Suggs on football and he ended up being drafted in the NBA. Yeah. So we, we've definitely covered a good amount of ground from an entertainment and content standpoint with football. And now it's just running itself almost to where, you know, they don't even have to work that hard. People just send them stuff. So, yeah. One thing I loved about watching those videos is how uh, you interviewed and like would challenge top high school recruits and stuff like in games. And then, like, you – it showed your personality more and you weren't afraid to, like, laugh at yourself. What was your favorite video you were involved in, your favorite game and stuff that you did? Oh, man, just – probably just working with Spencer Rattle, actually. Uh, mm. We had a mountain shot, and it was just, like, a ridiculous angle and height and everything. And, yeah. and the fact that he did it within five or six minutes, it was pretty mind-blowing. So, uh, for a high school kid to just impress me like that, I mean, he's impressing people now at Oklahoma, but yeah, just to just to be able to be in the forefront of what he's probably gonna get all this attention in his last year mm-hmm. and going to the league, but it was pretty cool. So, how did the transition to CBS Sports come to about? How did that um, job come into place? Was it um, you came there immediately from overtime? I'm assuming because was overtime your first gig. Yeah, it all kind of just worked in conjunction, man, and. Uh, uh, it's just luck, man. If I had to, somebody asked me, how do you do it? It's, you just gotta, it's just lucky, man. I don't know. I mean, if they want you, they'll, they'll find you and, and find a way to call you. So um, I guess I was just doing a good job in, in overtime and transitioned. And what you learn in entertainment is once one thing happens, it just kind of keeps rolling and you got to catch it when it's hot. Mm-hmm. What were some of the bumps early in your uh, career at CBS Sports when you did color commentating or even in the studio or some bumps that were kind of hard for you to work on at first? Uh, just being, I mean, nothing really. It's just, it's just a job, man. I mean, when you play football at that level, it's not too many things that, that could really make you nervous for real. If you, you just openly communicating and you discipline yourself and, and you enjoy the moment. I'm like, it's, you get to be on TV. So who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't enjoy that right so yeah. you just want to make the most out of it while you're in that space what were some things i guess that you learned on the fly some things that you were just natural at you think for well they don't really tell you how to do the job surprisingly mm-hmm. enough like i thought it was gonna be a bunch of guidelines and rules you know you're the expert so they couldn't really tell you necessarily what to say so there's a lot of independent study that you have to do and uh being that I was pretty dedicated in, in learning about football as I was there and talking to coaches and talking to players and learning terminology and stuff as a quarterback 
Mm. It made the transition a lot easier for me. And uh, other than that, I mean, I took an acting class in college. So kind of helped me um, do that. I read that you have your own whiskey company as well. Is that something that you're investing in as well? So I got my own whiskey, the Lucky. That's That's so sick. Actually, right here. Ooh. It's your Lucky Lefty, Anora Whiskey, uh, California, Florida, and, and coming to Texas soon. Wow. But I got into the bourbon game through relationship building and networking mm-hmm. and, um, you know, trying to be doing different stuff, man. There's not too many people you know got their own alcohol. So yeah, continuing to extend that list of first and, and not too oftens. And I feel like I'm going to come upon something that I really, really enjoy. And I'm going to just keep uh, chasing that lane. So how long did it take to create your own whiskey? Was it something that you had to make or talk to people and taste tests and stuff like that? How long did it take to? Man, it's, it's an ongoing process, but it's, yeah. it's nothing is built over a week or a day. So mm. it's been a, a lot of learning too, because I didn't grow up wanting them on alcohol. So <laughs> uh, every day you get to learn a little bit more and find how you can add value to where my influence can be with alcohol and, and just to have my name on it with the lucky lefty. It just kind of, it just kind of grew on me. So maybe lucky lefty come from me being lucky. I don't know. Yeah. Too that you get Little Notre Dame luck as well. Yeah. That's, it's not too often awesome. you walk into some situations, but you know, yeah. it goes back to involving yourself around people that, you know, may not even have a direct connection to what can help you, but they may know somebody. So mm-hmm. um Never forget network building is everything. I got you. So we have a, I have some special questions because you're a college football analyst. So I want to hear your opinion on these exclusively. Uh, Who are some breakout, as you look at this next season, who are some breakout college guys and quarterbacks that you think can be some top NFL dudes? Like who are some dudes on your radar coming in? I really like Kevin Marks Jr. out of Buffalo running back. Uh, He's going to be. One of the top running backs coming out of the class, even though he's at Buffalo, he probably won't be top mm. five, but he's definitely the one of the top five most talented backs. Yeah. Um to be on the lookout for. And then I mean Spencer Rattler, I'm expecting him to be in Heisman contention this year and damn near win it. Uh big fan. And then um man, I mean, college football is pretty straightforward. There's a lot of people out there, but I think the closer we get to mid-season is where you find the stars at because everybody mm. has a hot start. Yeah. Who's your uh, early CFP predictions for next year? Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and then whoever else can fit in that fourth spot. Yeah. Pretty much. The, it's like three and then everyone else is just – And everyone else is just trying to, play, trying to play line. Now, um, I think Florida would be pretty good, mm-hmm. actually uh, – Dan Mullen's a great coach. He's another nine, 10 win type of guy. Mm. So uh, provided with the good quarterback play, you get pretty far. I think Georgia could be pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, Georgia always got, always got those great uh, talented receivers. George Pickens, one of the, if not Mm. the best receiver, I got to work with him in overtime. Oh, wow. My favorite receiver, you know, in the class this far. And I think he's, clearly the best receiver out there and mm. hopefully uh, he stays healthy and can get that top receiver spot in the draft next year. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to talk about uh, what are your thoughts on the whole NIL passing? I know that's a big thing going on right now. And then on to that, 
what are your what are your thoughts, I guess, on high school kids leaving early? I know Quinn Ellers uh yesterday left for Ohio State. So what what are your thoughts on that and kind of the new era in college football? Yeah, I think it's just becoming more of like a uh like how soccer is in Europe. It's just gonna turn into a big club and then you go to school if you want to, kind of thing, just because the money, especially with the NIL, is only gonna get worse for schools to be able to control that. I mean, guys gonna start getting agencies and all type yeah. of all type of stuff, but you know, it's deserving. I mean, those guys make a lot of money for the school. And so it's not I mean, no other industry on the planet works where you make somebody all that money and as the talent and you're not making, well, a lot of industries, but it's not done the right way. And plus with the NIL, not every college football player is that marketable. So it's not like thousands of college football players going to be having these crazy deals. It's really no different than any professional league. You don't have the top five or 10% get something and then, you know, you'll have your crazy ones mixed in between, but I don't think it's as big as people are making it only because, you know, these are still companies that look in there and have good stock and value. So mm-hmm. who were some uh, investments and in, like partnerships that if, when you were playing, if this was past when you were playing that you would have been invested in? Man, just myself. I mean, be able to yeah. throw camps and, and, and get paid for it with your name on it. I mean, that, Probably one of the easier things I could think of of things that I wish I could have did more and didn't have an opportunity to in school. Mm-hmm. Going to school thing is crazy too because I didn't even know you can just not play your senior year to go. To yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't, I didn't know that was a possible thing. So, like I said, this NIL thing is driving it out of control, and the way it's going, it's probably going to be a club situation where yeah. teams just, schools are just going to have to pay club teams to have college football. So. Mm-hmm. I wonder, did he, uh, did that guy, Quinn Ellers, did he graduate from high school or did he just forgo his senior year and not even get a high school degree? I think it's a combination of graduating early and then you just sit out. I, I, I yeah. find it real. I, I didn't even, <laughs> that's, that's even more new than yeah. early mm-hmm. You know, I started seeing kids committing to high school. So this shit is yeah. really out of control, but uh-huh. I'm not in it no more. So. <laughs> Don't need to worry about it. Uh, my last question. I appreciate you for your time. Uh, what is the future looking like for Malik Zaire? Where do you see yourself going and what is the ultimate dream? Oh, man, we're just going to continue to expand our, our influence and power, man, and, and, and build more projects that, you know, can help not only the football world, but the, the university and other things that I'm doing and establishing those relationships, man, and more relationships you make you fall into greater and better things. So, um, you know, it's a lot out here to, to go after outside of sports and finding that out every day in the real world. That's awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you for your time. Um, thanks so much for doing this, bro. I appreciate it. It was nice meeting you too. Hope to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love the podcast and thanks for having me on.